The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. I'm delighted to have you with us today, whether you're listening to the live broadcast or listening to us later on a download. It's always nice to be able to share with you, and today we have something really special. So I ask you to go to the Self-Improvement blog. You know that one, theselfimprovementblog.com. Read our guest bio, take a look at her picture, and read the review of her book. And, you know, while you're there, just go down to the bottom of that and order the book because you're going to want to read it anyway. You might as well get it now. Uh, Today's guest states, It can be easier to dismiss our mystical experiences as imagination or coincidence than to question what we thought we knew about reality or to wonder if you're going crazy. Um, many of us have had those kind of experiences. Some of us wondered for a long time what on earth it was all about. I had, I've had several actually. My first one was when I was seven and I really didn't understand then. Now my brother and I were climbing a rock wall because my brother said we were taking a shortcut home. I got stuck at the top. I couldn't go up and I couldn't go down. I looked down, and it was a really long way down there, especially to a seven-year-old, and I was terrified. My brother ran for help, and while he was gone, somehow I was on top. I was standing on the ground on top. I looked around. I didn't see anybody, and I ran to get my brother to tell him I was okay, I've thought about that incident a lot throughout my life, and it gave me this wonderful feeling of being cared for and protected, Um, but I never could explain it. There have been other times when I had a clear understanding of something that I really didn't know about. I didn't understand it, and suddenly it was like I had a knowing. What about you listeners? You know, what things have happened to you that you simply could not explain or wouldn't share with anybody because it just sounded too weird and you were afraid? Yes, they think you were crazy. We're going to talk about these little awakenings and transformations today. And we have with us Miriam Knight, co-author of What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakenings, awakening with us to do that Um, and I think you'll find that what she has to say is really so fascinating. Miriam Knight was a senior business executive who made a midlife shift 
onto the spiritual path. Upon moving to the United States from England, she published a holistic journal for seven years. She then founded New Consciousness Review, and she hosts an award-winning weekly author interview show that provided the foundation for her new book, What Wags the World. A native of Venezuela and citizen of the world, Miriam has lived on four continents and speaks four languages. I'm still trying to learn English uh, after all these years. She has a BA in Romance Languages and Psychology from Boston University and an MA in Psychology from the University of Virginia. And it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Miriam Knight to the Self-Improvement Show. Miriam, welcome. Thank you so much, Irene. Delighted to be here. Oh, I'm delighted. And, and if you hear a dog barking in the back, back in the background, it's because my little dog is in the bedroom. We always was able to go out in the yard. Now that I've moved, he doesn't have a big yard, and he doesn't like it in there. So you're going to hear him bark occasionally. Please forgive him. He he doesn't know that he's on the radio. Um, I just thought he was welcoming me too. Well, he probably was, actually. He would love to be out here panting into the phone or something. I mean, he, he's really quite a lovely little being, but he doesn't like being locked in there. Tell us about yourself, Miriam. Who is Miriam Knight? Um, different from what I was yesterday and will be tomorrow. I guess uh, nowadays I'm a publisher, author, um, speaker, radio host, um, cosmic explorer, still trying to figure out why the world wags and what wags it. As um, I, I use that lovely quote from T.H. White, um, it was taken from The Once and Future King, where the wizard Merlin tells the young King Arthur to be. Um, that the best thing for being sad is to learn something, to learn why the world wags and what wags it. And so I'm still in that process. Oh, I think we probably all are. Uh, it would be so nice if we knew, and there's so many questions that there just aren't answers for. But, you know, coming back to where we are now, I, you are a woman of really many talents. One of the things you do is publish a new online magazine Tell us about the New Consciousness Review. It is such a wonderful idea and such a great magazine. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've always been an avid reader, and my favorite thing in the world is to curl up with a book and to get exposed to different ideas. Um, but they haven't always, my, my interests have not always been on the sort of spiritual and metaphysical. In fact, I did a, my husband and I did a midlife shift, oh, about, I would say about 18 years ago. We were both uh, professionals, uh, you know, left-brained. He was a merchant banker and a lawyer, and I was uh, an executive of a multinational software company and then of a healthcare company. And we had a very unusual thing happened to us. A very close friend of ours killed himself and um, then started trying to get a message through to his son 
by uh, appearing to my husband in his dreams. And this had the effect of kind of blowing him awake psychically, and he started being able to see and know things about people in the street and the pub. Um, He had an acquaintance who he saw at a crossroads between a hospital and the cemetery. And he contacted him and he said, you need to see a doctor right away. And when the guy went to the doctor the next day, they found three coronary arteries completely blocked and one partially blocked. And he owes his life to, to Jeffrey. So this caught our attention. And we started reading about things like um, psychic phenomena and uh, channeling and and things like that. That kind of really um, shifted us into a different mindset. We we, We started to understand, well, we wanted to understand how this phenomenon of being able to communicate with dead people and being able to see the future, um, how is it possible? So the more we read and understood, the more we realized that we had been living really with only a very small part of the picture of reality. And we both did a midlife shift onto um, healing professions. My husband became a hypnotherapist, and I'm an energy healer. And we then um, moved to the States because we had visited Portland, Oregon, which is a a hotbed of alternative everything. Yes. So is Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) And we we just found this wonderful community that we we love and uh, joined. And I started... uh, I joined uh, another chap who had a newspaper, but found myself uh, not only editor but publisher very quickly, and I did that for seven years. Um, and then now this was a holistic. It was paper. a holistic newspaper, yes, holistic journal, and that that kind of got me even more deeply into the metaphysical world, the spiritual world, and what I really loved. I mean, it, the, the the whole print bit was a hassle. But what I really loved was reading the books and interviewing the authors. Yes, see, I love that, too. I share that with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, why not, uh, why not just get rid of the paper and have the best part of it? So I started New Consciousness Review. And because it's online, I don't have the hassle of, um, of print. And I get to interview just about anybody I want. I've, in the past few months, I've had everybody from... <laughs> from uh, Neil Donald Walsh and Greg Braden, um, two people that you haven't heard of but probably will hear a lot more of in the future. Oh, Greg Braden is a, is a favorite of mine, and I've read what you wrote. Um, he's, he's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. You've had, have you had two issues now, or are you still on your first one? No, I've That's- had two issues of New Consciousness Review as a magazine. I've been publishing the website as a review site for about six years now. Oh, see, I missed that. I, too but bad I, I missed that. I, I had a non-compete clause when I sold the magazine, um, so I just oh. came out of that, so I was able to 
to um, get into the publishing game again. What are your hopes for this magazine? What do you want people to get from it? Really the same as my hopes for the website. Um, But in the magazine, it seems to be just a more portable um, mode of delivery. Uh, because it's you know it's available on every every platform. Yeah. Before um, we go to break, and it's almost time for that. How can the listeners get your magazine? How it's can they find it? for free uh, on my website, um, ncreview.com, which is for new consciousness. Ncreview.com. NCReview.com. On that note, we're going to go to break. And while we're on break, why don't you, the listeners, take a look at that magazine so you know where you can find it. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Miriam Knight, saying, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Miriam Knight. Uh, in addition to her online magazine, she has written a book. And, you know, my thought was, I wonder what she does in her spare time, <laughs> if she has any. Uh, Miriam, you've got this wonderful new book out called What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakening. Uh, we've t- we talked a little bit about what you, where you got the title, Wags the World. But what gave you the idea for this remarkable book? Tell the the listeners a little bit about the format of the book and and where the idea came from. Sure. There um, is a way, I I see waves of 
topics coming through as I look through the books that, that come to my office each week. Uh, I go through maybe 30 books a week. Um, luckily, I have a team of reviewers, so I don't have to read them all. But I cherry-pick the ones that really intrigue me, and I invite them, the authors onto my radio show. So over the years, I had interviewed most of the people in the book, and I selected them because I saw this common theme of awakening consciousness, of coming from the, the material, physical, knowable world that we're so familiar with, and having an experience that shifts you into a different perception of how it works, of the nature of reality. So I, um, I selected, I invited these, these people, and I interviewed them again for the book, asking them all the same three questions. I asked them, what was the experience that they had that did shift their understanding of the nature of reality? Two, what insights did they have as a result, and how did that change their lives? And then three, what was their message to the reader? And these people um, come from every walk of life. They, they're, they're doctors, they're professors, they're businessmen, they're CEOs of multinational corporations. There's a deep-sea diver, they're a, a debutante from the South. Yes, your doggy understands. Yes, he does. Somebody's walking their dog outside. The, outside. And um, I wanted there to be no misunderstanding that this can happen to anybody, that you don't have to be steeped in the mysterious or the mystical, that, but you can be. You know, the universe... Um, as children, we are able to access layers of reality that we then forget how to access, yeah. either because um, our parents keep on telling us, no, no, darling, it's just your imagination, you know, uh, get real, or we're afraid that we'll be made fun of. So we kind of push those abilities away. But when... Um, when we have usually a traumatic event or um, sometimes it's just a spontaneous awakening, um, you know, an epiphany, um, then we, it, it, it sort of cracks us open like an egg and the light can shine in. And we start to be able to perceive and use our intuition in ways that we never used them before. And there are common themes that emerged across these stories of awakening. Um, one of them is that how important it is to be in the silence, to turn off from the busy world and allow spirit, if you will, to communicate with you. How to tune into your internal GPS, that guidance system that we're all built with, our intuition. Let that guide you. When you have a question about which way to go, listen. Look for signs. The universe is always trying to communicate with you. Now, sometimes 
you are invited to make a wrong turn and make a wrong decision because that's the way we learn. One of the gals in the book, Irene Kendig, said, there is no wrong way to do life because everything that we do in life makes us move forward. Before we get too much further, tell us what you mean by conscious awakening, because that's really the theme of the book. Now, let's talk a little bit about what you mean by conscious awakening. I think conscious awakening has as many definitions as there are people in the world. Mm, Me too. Um, And some people will have an awakening um, to the metaphysical and, and suddenly be able to see angels and see auras around people. Other people may just have an awakening, an understanding of the importance of our connection to each other and to the planet, and they may express that by becoming activists or humanitarians. Um, Other people may have an awakening by uh, becoming healers, and they actually can channel universal loving energy and heal people. Uh, Other people simply by being more conscious in their everyday life, in doing what they do, but doing it with an understanding of our connection to each other and of the importance of being kind and compassionate. And one of the things that I kept seeing throughout the book, well, there were really two big areas that people, seemed, almost everyone talked about, is love. Mm-hmm. And the importance of service. I'm so glad you picked that up. (laughs) Service became so important. It is so important. And, you know, no matter how people got to where they got, these were common themes. Love has gotten so much baggage attached to it as a word. Oh, yeah. And the way that it's explained throughout these stories is um, (laughs) almost indescribable, but I will try. It's that the source of creation, whether you want to call it spirit, God, uh, I don't know, great mystery, wakantanka, um, the source of creation is love. The essence of the universe is love. The, the, the shadow side is important for us to be able to appreciate and to choose to grow in the, um, in the expansion of creation. I, I see us as being the sort of hands and feet and, and eyes of God in the physical manifestation. It's, you know, if you're spirit, you can't really um, make a widget, make a car, paint a picture or, you know, hear us play a symphony. So this is one of the ways that creation has of expanding itself and knowing itself. And we're, we're there to do it for, for the universe. And we're connected to each other. And what we do for ourselves, we do for the world. What we do for others, we do for ourselves. And that is both on the positive and the negative side. So when we hurt others, we do hurt ourselves. Oh, yes. One of the, one of the stories in the book, um, David Bennett had a near-death experience. 
And when he had his life review, which, you know, you see your whole life passing before you, he not only saw it from his point of view, but from the perspective of everybody that he had ever interacted with. And everybody that he had hurt, he felt their pain. Everybody that he had angered, he understood their anger. And when he came back from his near-death experience, he totally changed his life because he suddenly had that much, much broader perspective, and that changed his life. A number of the people you interviewed had near-death experiences, didn't they? They did, yes. And it completely changed them. Some who really had no idea of an afterlife or what happens when we die came back totally changed, as they usually do. <laughs> it, it does get your attention. It when does you get your attention. <laughs> yeah, it does get your attention. I, I can't think of anything that could get your attention quicker than a near-death experience, <laughs> now that we put it that way. Um, do you have a favorite story? You know, when I finished the book, I put I thought, do I have a favorite story in there? Well, I have some favorite people in there, but I don't know. All the stories were so powerful to me because they were so personal. You know, they were so open. The people who talked to you seemed to be so open and so willing to be transparent about what happened to them and how it changed them. Absolutely. They were absolutely marvelous. It's interesting. There were two people who got away. Um, because they told me things that were so personal that they hadn't told anyone before, and they wanted to put it in their next books. Wow. So one was Dan Millman and one was Annie Kagan. But anyway, um, the one of the stories that I really loved about if, talking about near-death experience is Anita Morjani's story. Oh, I loved her story. She was... Um, admitted to hospital in a coma with stage 4 cancer and given hours to live. She had a near-death experience, and she understood two things while she was on the other side. One was why she got sick with cancer, and that was because she did not love herself enough, that, that she was like shriveling up like a plant in, in, in a drought. And the other one was how powerful we are to change our physiology and to heal ourselves. And she knew without a shadow of a doubt that if she came back, she would be able to heal herself of cancer. And she did within days, so much to the astonishment of the doctors, that doctors came from around the world to actually examine her because they could not believe that she was able to, do, to heal herself and pull herself back from the brink. I mean, she had, she had uh, her lymph nodes had broken through the skin, you know, with, with pus and everything. The, normally, they would have needed plastic surgery to close up those wounds, and she healed herself within a matter of days. And that must have put the medical community on their ear? Absolutely astonished uh, them. Yeah. I, I've seen some of those things happen. I saw a kidney tumor disappear from a child. Um, nobody would acknowledge that it had happened. Everybody was in total denial that that was a possibility. They just assumed that the first x-ray was in error. I'm thinking, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Open your minds. 
Open your eyes. That was what was so important about Anita's story because it was so well documented. There was no way they could wiggle out of it. Don't you think the medical community is beginning to realize there's more? Absolutely. In fact, I have at least three doctors. Yes, you do. I loved that. And we (laughs) want to talk a little bit about some of those doctors. It's time for us to go to break. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about this wonderful new book, What Wags the World. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Miriam Knight, saying stay tuned. We'll be back with more. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Miriam Knight. We're talking about her book, What Wags the World. Miriam, before we get started into this segment, tell people how they can find your book. Uh, I know it's in it's in a Kindle edition. Uh, and not, paperback. And, and paperback. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's um, any bookstore near you. I would really urge you to patronize your local metaphysical bookstore. They need the business. Yes, they do. And many of them are no longer with us, and that's a real shame because... Most of them carry such a wonderful line of things that are helpful if you're on a spiritual path. I totally agree with you. You know, go to your local metaphysical bookstore. You have several stories about doctors in your book. Uh, And one of the people who um, submitted a story is Bernie Siegel, who's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Talk a little bit about what the doctors had to share. Sure. Bernie... um really 
was uh, a very sickly child, and his grandmother sort of brought him back from the brink by by cuddling him and, and massaging him and nurturing him, and he felt so loved and protected that I, I think it really affected his his um, outlook on the world. And he he's just a man of such great compassion that when he went out to um, work with his patients, particularly his heart and cancer patients, um, he urged them to to be open to the power of love, the power of the universe to, to heal them. You know, instead of doing the usual doctor thing of giving them a diagnosis and going away, he gave them hope, and he kind of energized the, the healing response in them using mind-body techniques. Um, he's just the most wonderful compassionate person oh i you know i adore him Uh, he really is one of the people who influenced me the most when i was in this struggle between mainstream medicine because i've had a a career in nursing most of my life uh and into the holistic realm and and bernie skipped across the bridge with me you know (laughs) in, in that because you know, once I learned what Bernie had to say, there's no turning back. You cannot deny that what he said is the absolute truth uh, about what happened with people who had spontaneous healings and remissions and, you know, all through the power of love and laughter. He's yeah. quite remarkable. And another doctor, Larry Dossie, had a different kind of entree into this world. He had a series of precognitive dreams, and after the first one, he was sitting with a colleague. About, he had dreamt about this man's son, and the colleague's wife came in, and the whole dream played itself out, and he was absolutely shocked how he could have known beforehand, outside of time and space what was going to happen. This just didn't compute with the scientist in him. And he had two more dreams that week. And each time uh, it shook him up. And he started studying what he later termed the non-local mind, which is consciousness outside of the confines of our skull, you know, it's not a phenomenon related to electrical impulses in our brain. Exactly. It is, it is something that exists outside of space and time. Um, He's written some remarkable books. Oh, absolutely remarkable. Now, I, I love his comment about the golden rule when, when he said, with this knowing, it, it becomes be kind to others because in some sense they are you. Indeed. <laughs> we we are connected in the most fundamental sense of the the union of our minds, the union of our consciousness, which really is the essential part of us. The physical body that we have now is going to decay, is going to slough off, die, and decay. But we continue. That's the other thing that he brought through: the whole notion of immortality. We continue as as conscious beings. And whether you believe in past lives or future lives or incarnation, um, 
one of the the themes that comes through this book with absolute clarity is that that is a reality. We you know what is a, it, it mystifies me, I guess, is the word it boggles my mind, is we have so many stories now. We have so much evidence of life after life, or however you want to term it. I don't understand how people can read these and not begin to realize that is the truth. You know, I think, there's, I think more and more people are coming to the, the belief, or, or at least opening their minds to the possibility. And that is one of the important features in this book. I specifically wanted to appeal to people of whatever level of belief or skepticism and just present them with highly credible people who had no reason to invent a story. But once these things happened to them, they felt compelled for the good of humanity to share their experiences because of the implications of what it means, A, to be immortal, to be um, a continuous existence of consciousness, and what it means to be connected, and what it means to to love, and to be part of the love of the universe, the love of the Creator. This is absolutely world-changing. And just think of all of the, the hate and anger and wars in our world that have been and are being caused by such a deep misunderstanding of the nature of divinity and the nature of what what our higher purpose is. It's it's a hard trip sometimes without the kind of stories that are told in your book to make it from what you were taught as a child to what your heart knows is true. Did that make sense? You asked me about (laughs) the notion of conscious awakening. And it's it's not a switch that turns on. It's a process. It's an ongoing process. It's a bit like Barbara Marks Hubbard talked about conscious evolution. It's a spiral of increasing awareness in broader and broader perspective. And as your perspective broadens, um, more it's like getting up to the, the top of a mountain where you see more of the landscape around you. Then you see that it's, you see the connections. You see that it's all one country all connected with rivers and and hills and cities and villages. Yeah, like from outer space. I guess we need to look at our lives from outer space, (laughs) that kind of perspective, and try to get the whole picture. There's a lot of fear connected with leaving the roots that you grew up with uh, into this wonderful world of... I want to say the unknown, but it's not so unknown. We're learning more and more about it all the time and about the divine. Now, let's talk a little bit about God. You know, one of the questions that you gave me that you often talk about is, what is God? It's interesting that you said, what is God, instead of who is? Mm, Yes. (laughs) Because... I see us as being part of God. I see us as being individuations of the um, the divine essence, the, which is intelligence or consciousness. And 
we have to pull the veil over it in order to give us um, insulation from our knowing of everything. Because if we knew everything, there would be no um, no restlessness, no no drive to know more, to create more. We would just kind of sit back in our little nirvana and say, "Hoo hoo hoo, happy day." Yeah. Happy day, all is well. I don't have to do a thing. <laughs> we do have a tendency to go there, don't we? <laughs> you know, what about purpose? You know, what about purpose? Do we have a purpose uh, that we have to find? What do you think about that? I think that we have a planning session before we incarnate. And we plan with our soul groups what it is that we want to experience, that we haven't experienced before. And it's like we're given uh, a toolbox with a, or, or a, an artist's palette with a set of colors and brushes. It's up to us what pictures we draw with those brushes and what, which colors we select to use in our painting of our lives. As Don Miguel Ruiz would say, we're the artists of our own lives. We, in, in one life, we may pl- paint it all with dark sienna and black and, and, and brown, right? In another life, it may be a splash of every color of the rainbow. It really is up to us to, to experience and to create. It, and, and through our creation, because we have this veil... We're starting from scratch. We're starting with a blank canvas each time. And we can just let our imagination run wild. One of my favorite stories about this whole thing is in one of Carolyn Mays' books, and I can't remember which one it was, when she talked about the group that got together and one of them said, I want to know what it's like to be deaf and blind. And she became Helen Keller. Mm -hmm. And the rest of them then became her parents and uh, Annie Sullivan and and how that played out. I love that story. Uh, I can almost imagine what it was like, and I, I I often wish I could know, you know, what mine was. I mean, why did I, why did I pick this? You know, why did I pick this? Or did I pick it? You know, am I doing what it was I chose? You know, mm-hmm. those questions come. When when you take take Helen Keller and you look at a the the objectively the pain and the isolation that oh, she had goodness. to contend with, and yet the light and the inspiration that she was to the world because of the way she reacted to it, I mean that's the opportunity in each of our lives, and we have to remember that we have this opportunity in every waking moment of every day. And and you know a lot of a lot of people never give it a thought that they had a choice before they came, mm-hmm. what they wanted to do or what they wanted to accomplish. Um, I forget what their who it was did. that said pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Ah, uh, I like that one. And on that note, we're going to let the listeners think about that one uh, as we go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Miriam Knight saying. Come back for more. We'll be back in a few minutes. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. 
It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. We're on our last lap with Miriam Knight. I don't know how the time goes so fast when we're talking about these wonderful, wonderful subjects, but it does seem to fly by. One of the things that a number of your um, story, the people in your stories, the authors of your stories said was how important it is to find silence and their need for meditation. Can you can you address that a little bit? I would love to because I think that is just so important. Really, it's crucial to uh, connecting with your own intuition. Um, silence, me- meditation, doesn't have to be sitting cross-legged on a futon and, and you know, with, with incense and saying om. It can be just being breathing deeply for a few minutes. It can be going out into nature. The essential thing is to turn off the busyness of the world around you so that your mind can um, relax and connect to the, the higher part of you, your higher self, your guides, your intuition. Intuition can be learned. It can be developed. It's like a, a talent or a muscle Everybody can play the piano, everybody can play chopsticks, but not everybody can play Chopin. And it's a question of practice. And meditation is one of the best ways to, to build that muscle, if you will. I loved what, um, what Peter Russell, who is a physicist, said about meditation. He said that it's so much easier than we think. And we put too much effort into meditation, into trying to quiet the mind and get in touch with the deeper self. And he thinks it boils down to just letting the mind and the attention relax. That's all there is to it. Isn't he the one who also said, be kind? Yes. I think he's the one that said, be kind. He did. 
I loved that. That was his message, his final message. He said it could be summarized in two words, be kind. And that really would be my message, too. It would be just to realize how connected we are and have compassion, first of all, for yourself. We are way too hard on ourselves. As Anita Morjani said, love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you will dry up inside and you will have no energy, no battery juice left to shine your light in the world. Back to to the subject of meditation, and I think you've already perhaps answered it, but there's so many different forms of meditation. You can go on the Internet and you can get totally confused about what's the best way. You know, what advice do you have people who are just starting into meditation? Now, where would you turn? Where would you send them to learn? Do they need to go to anybody to learn? There are so many books on meditation, so many suggestions. Really, you just have to turn inside. Sit quietly or walk quietly. Walk in nature. Observe the birds. Observe your breath. Just be still. Just breathe, I think is the saying. Just breathe. What, you know, what do you think is going to happen to these young people who always have something in their ear, music or a phone, or they're texting? How are they going to learn the value of silence? You know, I think the young people are evolving differently from us. And one of the things that... I see, and in fact, uh, one of the guys in my book, um, Kingsley Dennis, wrote a book called The Phoenix Generation, where he foresees that kids are developing telepathic abilities. It's almost mimicking the Internet. It's almost like a wireless connection to each other. Yes. So, you know, I, I see young people absolutely astonishing me every day. So I'm not worried. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to save us. <laughs> oh, I am too. You know, some of them are so wise beyond their years. And yet I watch them on, on their cell phones. It's, you know, like an umbilical cord almost. Uh, and, and there's never any silence. You know, they go from cell phone to TV to computer and, and I'm not saying they all because they don't all, but, uh, I guess I value the silence so much, I wish it for them. You know, I, I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm supposing that they are developing a different nervous system from us. Well, they uh, certainly are different. And yeah. they, you know... Another, have, a, another gal in the book, Meg Blackburn, wrote a book about the children of now evolution, and she's talking particularly about autistic that's kids. That's right, yeah. And the, the different sensitivities that they have to the world around us, that the world is, can be overwhelming for them with all of the stimulus. So for them, it's terribly important to turn off and to, to reduce the noise and for, to, to teach them to meditate and to breathe. Terribly important. You know, one of the things that I think is so important for us as adults is to let them be who they are. We don't really understand where some of these brilliant children are coming from, and so we assume that there's a problem. 
Mm. And there may not be any problem at all. It's just that they're wired in a different way than we are. Now, my grandson, who's 10, knows more about the computer than I'll probably ever know. I don't know how he knows it, but he knows it. Uh, um, and I see this in other children as well. And we assume that they're ADHD or autistic or something. I think that, well, as Kingsley said, they are evolving in a different way. They're evolving beyond what you know we see as a step-by-step progression. They're kind of leaping, leaping ahead. Um, and I think many of them, perhaps not the ones that you see walking around with the phone uh, implanted in their ear, um, are also finding new ways of coming together in community. Uh, they're, be, because of the economic situation, they're living together in co-housing. They're creating little communities, and they're starting initiatives, humanitarian initiatives, that are absolutely um, inspiring. So uh, I think that there, there really is every reason to be optimistic about the future. But uh, we have to wake up ourselves and allow the kids, allow each other the space and the time to reach these um, solutions before we self-destruct and go over the edge because many of our environmental systems really are at the tipping point. Yes. And I think it's important that we realize that there are a lot of people who are tuned in and know what to do. We just need to pay attention. (laughs) just need to pay attention. We're right up to the end of the show, Miriam. What's the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Be kind. I I think Peter Russell said it best. Be kind to yourself. Be compassionate. Be empathetic. And really be the artist of your life. Live life in joy. That really is your birthright. Use all of the wonderful talents that you have now. Don't put it off until tomorrow. Rumi says the soul is here for its own joy. Next week's guest is Jim Phillips. He's written a wonderful book called The Key to Life, Living in Full Expression, which we've really talked about a lot today, living in full expression. Miriam, thank you so, so much for being with us today. I really loved having you on. I think we'll have to do it again. (laughs) Thank you, Irene. It was a delight. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Miriam Knight saying thank you for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.